Hey, how's it going, folks? And welcome to the season one finale of Great Moments in Weed History. What's to follow is actually the very first episode we ever recorded. So if this is your first time tuning into the show, it might be kind of a weird one to start with. I recommend going back and checking out some of the early ones first. But if you've been with us since the beginning, you'll probably get a kick out of this. Pete and I originally started Great Moments in Weed History as part of a larger podcast project called The True Believers, which you'll hear referenced in this episode a couple times. We had both just left major media companies and wanted to make something completely independent as cannabis enthusiasts and for cannabis enthusiasts without any outside constraints. When we started releasing episodes, we didn't have a great business plan or really any business plan at all. We just wanted to create a season's worth of episodes that we really love and see what happens. And it turns out a lot of you felt that love too. We've been blown away by your emails and social media posts in support of the show. Thank you for that. Nevertheless, we've got to figure out a way to make some money off of this thing so we can sustain the amount of time and energy that it takes to keep bringing you each one of these stories. So if you want more great moments in weed history, please shoot us an email at gmiwhpodcast at gmail.com or you can support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash gmiwh underscore podcast. Most importantly, please encourage your friends to check out all 12 episodes of the first season while Bean and I are off on our hiatus. Uh, Bean specially asked me to use that phrase, hiatus. Uh, Yeah, and we're going to figure out how to get paid off this thing so we can keep making it. In the meantime, please settle in for this episode, the very first one we ever recorded. It's the story of how Bob Dylan got the Beatles high for the very first time, and it truly lives up to the name of the show. It is a great moment in weed history, and it remains one of my favorites. This episode is a little bit looser than our other ones. We've left in some of the goofier moments, uh, including a bathroom break where Bean kind of goes rogue for a second. I especially like that part. And it ends with our recorder either running out of battery or offing itself out of frustration. We're still not sure which, but at the time we hadn't figured out our gear yet. So what do you want? Uh, Please enjoy this kind of weird season one finale and we'll see you very soon for season two. Brought to you by somebody. Enjoy. And before we get into it, you should know that I have zero prior knowledge of any of these stories. Bean does the research and writes it up. And shares it with me. We smoke some weed, have some tea, chat about it, have a few laughs. It's a really good time. So stick around, hang out with us. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Bean, what kind of story you got for us today? I got a really fun one. Yeah? And uh, involving really some some towering figures, not just in weed, but in art and in culture. Um, and a really, like, very much a great moment. You know, a defining specific moment. And very much a fun sort of almost like stoner comedy-ish uh, series of events. So I see you got one rolled up, mm-hmm. as Twisted always. and ready. As always, if you're not quite there yourself, hit pause, roll one, pack one, and uh, meet us right back here for another great moment in weed history. going to begin with a quote. <clears throat> it 
It's my experience that to smoke marijuana for the first time is to explore the limits of hilarity only to find that there are no limits. Albert Einstein. <laughs> Wait, is that? Yeah, no, that's uh, Lincoln. No. <laughs> Huxley. <laughs> All good guesses. Famed music journalist Al Aronowitz once noted, you laugh so hard that you want to laugh that hard again. So you smoke marijuana again and again and again and again and again. I'm told that few ever really succeed in laughing that hard a second time, but I did. That's shallow, bro. That's, that's not, it's not laughing. It's not nitrous oxide, all right? This is a complex psychedelic we're talking about, laughy boy. Ah, he's going somewhere with this. The two biggest laughs of my life were the first time I smoked marijuana and the first time the Beatles smoked marijuana. Whoa. What was... Wait, so... That's uh, did they? Who was it? Did Bob Dylan smoke out the Beatles for the first time? Yeah, was that who it was? Yeah, this is where okay, this yeah, is going. Okay, yeah, I've, okay. I've heard that. I, I don't know the entire story. Okay, so as far as I understand it, Bob Dylan being the bad boy that he was, you know, and the Beatles, bad, the bad boy, and the Beatles being like the schoolboys. You know, oh, what? we don't know they, much. We're just from Liverpool. We don't. Oh, we're just yeah. innocent little schoolboys, and he corrupted them. <laughs> <laughs> with the devil ebb. That, that is uh, uh, surprisingly close to uh, how it went down. The Beatles were, they were boozers. They liked to drink. They used to take uh, these like speed pills because they, they played like 50, sh 50 shows a week. That's right. Eight days a week. week. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were in Hamburg. So, oh, wow. So, we're, yeah. Now we're, we're going to get sued no, for no, that, that one. It was a comment. Yeah. That was fair use. Parody law. Um, and But they had absorbed all this propaganda that marijuana was like heroin. And so they were all, I mean, the story, the story goes on, but, but, uh, and, and Dylan is at this point, uh, you know, he's, they're both all quite young. This is 1964. They're all in their early twenties. Uh, but Dylan's, Wow. Uh, much more of an adept. Uh, he's been smoking weed for a while. Yeah, so. and, and this is also, you know, like at a point, like not too long after the, you know, crazy anti-cannabis campaign that like basically took over the entire fucking world. So, you know, you can't blame really a bunch of young dudes at the time in England for thinking that because shit, I mean, you know, so much of the world uh, was starting to think that way. It's yeah. sad. So but anyway, on me, to the happy part of this story. Yeah. So, um, and, and Al Aronowitz was just sort of one of those, he was one of the first uh, journalists who really took rock and roll music seriously. Um, almost like a first wave weed journalist. He was a first wave rock journalist. So this is 1964. And so that's why he's hanging out and he's friends with Dylan and he knows the Beatles and he's here for this uh, great moment in weed history. So Aronowitz didn't turn on the Beatles who later used Let's Go Have a Laugh as their private code for getting high, because remember, they have this laughing fit. You're having uh, a laugh. So much... Power suit again. Okay. <laughs> so he didn't turn on the Beatles so much as he introduced them to Bob Dylan, who gladly did the honors. The deal went down on August 28th, 1964, at New York City's swanky Delmonico Hotel. Upon arrival, Dylan mistakenly believed the Beatles whom he was meeting for the first time. To be a pack of schoolgirls <laughs> waiting for the bus. <laughs> that he is quite stoned. No, he uh, mistakenly believed, them, uh, believed that the Beatles already smoked grass based on a misheard lyric. So he suggested they get down for a sesh. Oh, yeah, I remember the Beatles song that was like, 
Oh, taking dabs <laughs> with my mom. What was it? Yeah, that was it. That was when it. When he was actually saying, I'm feeling bad yeah. with my dad. No, so, okay. So the Beatles <laughs> looked at it. So Dylan's like, hey, I think you guys like we smoked weed. They're hey. like, oh, what's this about? Mm. And so... <laughs> What's all this then? Is that what's the little reggae tube? Wait, now I, I, my accent is swinging into all kinds of territory. Okay, here. so 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 Dylan Dylan offers them let's let's get high. Uh, the Beatles looked at each other apprehensively, according to Aronowitz, who who a lot of this is his account of of what happened. Pussies. We've never smoked marijuana before. John Lennon finally admitted. Dylan looked disbelievingly from face to face. But what about your song, he asked. The one about getting, hey. The, the Beatles were stupefied. Which song, John managed to ask. Dylan said, you know. And then he sang. And when I touch you, I get high, I get high. John, flushed with embarrassment, said, those aren't the words, he admitted. The words are, I can't hide, I can't hide. Oh, and also, by the way, uh, if you like being singing, we'll include more of it in the show. <laughs> so, you know, leave that in the comments, re re reflect and respond to, you know, you want to hear more being singing? You'll have it. You'll have it in every act of the show, right? If you don't want to hear more of my singing, I, advise, keep it to yourself. I advise nobody come to the TikTok club yeah. out on Route 12 Tuesday yeah. night because I'll be doing two sets. Yeah. Second set's completely different. That's so definitely right. stay around. Uh, Guys, separate Guys, it's a karaoke night. Just we like we want him to keep thinking that he's performing at a club. We've it's a whole elaborate ruse. Don't tell him. I'm booked. They offered me hundreds of songs that they were going to prepare. Anything that I wanted to sing. A, a veritable bible of songs that they brought to, to you. Like you know, yeah. you, it's like you literally you need a stand to read this fucking thing. Um. So has that ever happened to you? Where you're uh. Meeting a a famous musician and they think because of a misheard lyric, uh, you you do something that you don't normally. Yeah, actually, exactly that same thing happened. To me. No, I'm kidding. But but uh, it, you know, it, it is it, it's kind of a, a funny thing. I feel like to, to think about you know weed being smoked, like you know, like celebrities smoking weed together in a sense. You know, because really, what that what strikes me about it is that. Look, every every friendship I've ever had, you know, in my life basically started with like smoking weed. You know what I mean? It's like that's how I've met people my whole life. And it's a very communal thing. That's the best thing about it. In some ways, it was it's, you know, uh, illegality that made it like, oh, like you down, you down. And you almost like it was a weird way to like filter people out in your life or if you will, weed out the bad ones. Right. Oh! So, oh my God. I've been infected, but, uh, but yeah, basically, uh, you know, I, I think that it's really cool to think that, you know, Bob Dylan and the Beatles met the same way that, you know, so many, like, you know, I don't know, people famous or not, you know, like, you know, legendary musicians or not who bonded over cannabis at some point and that it's something that's really universal. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, which I suppose people getting drunk together is universal too but it doesn't have the same depth to it you know and i think like i for example i don't really drink very much at all so it's like you know i basically don't drink at all so i'm like you know i don't socialize over alcohol but i feel like 
the interactions I have, you know, over cannabis are more meaningful. And also, look, I also say this, you know, the Beatles, uh, you know, it obviously, you know, they entered more psychedelic face their music. I think that's a testament to me as, you know, I've made music my whole life. You know what I mean? Since I was young, that's just been a thing. That's my creative runoff. It's my creative byproduct. I'm just always making music, right? And man, cannabis is so fucking inspiring for that. You know what I mean? It really is. And I think that it shows in the Beatles shit. It's kind of cool that we got to see them not not lit, you know, and then lit later. Yeah, it's not a it's not a subtle shift. You know, and no. this is right before that change. This is right before like Rubber Soul R- and Ravi Shankar and, and, and even with Dylan's music, this is really before he went electric. I mean, these are like hugely important artists when they're young just kind of coming into themselves um so let me let me let me yeah, hear a little bit yeah, more yeah. okay so so you know we left with this sort of misunderstanding about the lyrics and the and the, and the beatles feel a little uh little uncouth um so from there a scene unfolded straight out of a b-movie stoner comedy only it starred some of the 20th century's most influential and enduring artists at the very outset of their storied careers According to Aronowitz's first-person account of the encounter, and now I'm quoting him, he's dead, but he will possibly sue us from beyond the grave. He was a very uh, angry guy. I dare you. Okay. So from his account, Al Aronowitz's, the Beatles wanted to know how the marijuana would make them feel, and we told them it would make them feel good. I still... (laughs) That's a (laughs) solid answer. (laughs) Drop the bike, Al Aronowitz. (laughs) I still hadn't learned how to roll a joint in those days. So when the Beatles agreed to try some, I asked Dylan to roll the first joint, uh, which I wouldn't advise that like these days. I think Bob's a little bigger star. You don't really be like, hey, Bob, spliff one up for us. If I met Bob Dylan, though, I'd be like, motherfucker, you roll that J because then I'm going to tell everybody (laughs) that I smoked a J rolled by Bob Dylan and I would keep that roach probably. And I'm not even like a huge, I didn't grow up on Dylan, you know, like that. But still, come on, man. That's some crazy shit. You'd hang on to that shit. Well, well, hang on to that thought. You may want to rethink this. Bob wasn't much of a roller either, and a lot of the grass fell into the big bowl of fruit on the room service table. Lame sauce, Bob. Lame sauce. Man. Wow. That's that's, that's tough. That's whack. Yo, that is like, man, I hope nobody ever, like, you know, says that about one of us. It's like, look, man, I may have dropped some weed when I was younger and trying to roll a J. You don't want people remembering that shit. No. Yeah. It got, well, he, you know. I think Dylan's reputation remains never, sir, never. It never recovered from that. No, he's completely he been yeah. Stopped recording in 1964 and has not been heard from since. Um, yeah. Okay, so Dylan first offered the joint to John Lennon, but the group's unofficial leader immediately handed it to Ringo, demanding the drummer serve as the other Beatles quote royal taster. Oh wow, Ringo, the fifth Beatle, <laughs> also four. known as the Royal Taster. <laughs> the Royal Taster. Step- yeah, and, oh man, but that is so harsh because like you know that they were like, all right, you know, he's like is he's kind of like the runt of the crew that they're like, you know. And look, as a drummer, I, I resent that a little bit. Although, I don't know, whatever. I guess fuck Ringo. I don't know. Hey, wait, who, you know, like that's not, it's just not I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah, it's not the nicest move, especially calling him the royal taster. Okay, ostensibly to make sure the drug didn't prove poisonous or provoke insanity before the rest committed to trying it. 
Uh, so they're just basically like, well, we want to try weed, but if it's going to make one of us go insane, definitely Ringo. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, as a music fan, fair enough. <laughs> you know, if we had to lose one of the four to insanity, uh, and 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 I guess I can't say no offense to Ringo, but come on, you knew, you know, you know your <sighs> the place. Drummers. The, the drummers, you know always get shame. It's man. just like you know, there's, it's like uh, you know, you're the fourth guy off the bench. So Ringo started <laughs> inhaling. At which point, the first Beatle to get high immediately, though unwittingly, committed one of the very few major pot faux pas of pot etiquette, as Aronowitz explains. What uh, do you do? As Ringo kept taking hits, Bob and I waited for him to pass the joint to John. He who parked was, on the grass! Mm-hmm, Ringo. Who was sitting right next to Ringo. But the Beatles were unacquainted with the rituals of pot smoking. Pot smokers share joints because it's precious stuff. It's illegal, expensive, and not easy to get. This is 1964. Yeah, um, it's still one of the three anywhere, and it's it's still three of the three some places. Uh, pot smokers don't waste any smoke. It's none of the three here. It's none of the three here. Uh, yeah, it's still precious. It's still, no, it's, yeah, it's, no, well, it's no, it's it's illegal, not illegal here. Expensive, not as expensive. It's not really that but expensive. It's still yeah. expensive. Grow your own if you want yeah. inexpensive cannabis and it's legal. But it is grow your precious, own. and it is definitely precious no, and not easy to get. It's it's, it's getting kind of easy to get here. Okay. So pot smokers don't waste any smoke, letting the joint burn idly like a cigarette. I neglected to instruct Ringo about passing the joint, and it was obvious that he was going to hold on to it as if he were smoking a cigarette filled with tobacco. I didn't want to risk the possibility that the Beatles might recoil from the idea of passing a joint from lips to lips, like a bottle shared by winos on a street corner. So they were germaphobes, too? No, they just didn't know that you passed the joint. And the only thing they had as a reference was cigarettes. Right. So Ringo's not, Ringo's not like, uh, you know, uh, keeping it from them. He just thinks everybody gets one or whatever. That's how Jamaicans smoke. Yeah, that's true. And actually, I mean, it's like we still like whatever, like we're literally just passing a joint back and forth. Actually, it's kind of been a minute, Bean. Speaking of which, oh, Oh, (laughs) no, but, but, you know, like meaning like we obviously, you know, we could each roll a joint and just Uh, smoke it. But it's like, you know, if one of us is rolling a joint, it's not like the other one's going to be like, oh, yeah, a joint. I'm going to roll one, too and smoke it. You know, we would just smoke it. But anyway, in Ringo's own defense, he's, he's getting high for the first time in his life. Nobody told him he'd pass a joint. The only point of reference he has is a cigarette. But so this but is a delicate situation. Also, for a fleeting moment in time, Ringo Starr was the single coolest Beatle. <laughs> and I think... Everyone should acknowledge that yeah. in this moment, which is documented and described, yeah. and you know what? If uh, anyone doesn't fucking believe it, we got to ask Bob Dylan because apparently Ringo Starr was lit and was sitting there fucking, you know, uh, you know, feeling the reggae vibes while the other Beatles were sitting there wondering what the fuck was going on yeah. for just a fleeting moment. Plus, he was hanging out with Bob Dylan and the fucking Beatles while he was doing it. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty he cool. Was, he was in the Beatles, in <laughs> fact. Does anyone remember that <laughs> fact about Ringo Starr? <laughs> oh, was And so it, it was a great moment in, in weed history and is brought to us by our sponsor of Great Moments in Weed History, Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr, I was in the Beatles. Ringo Starr. Yeah, and actually, you know what, Bean? Uh, I got to say, uh, I've been listening to, uh, you know, the catalogs of all the Beatles post Beatles on Spotify. And personally, I, honestly, and I'm saying this, I'm not saying this because they're a sponsor of the show, but I personally 
believe that, uh, you know, all the Ringo Starr stuff is really the best. It stands out the most. And you can compare it really to any of the solo stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm saying any of it. You know, the George Harrison stuff, uh, you know, the John Lennon stuff, Paul McCartney, respect to Paul McCartney. You know, uh, he's not done making music either. You know what I mean? We've got two surviving Beatles right now. But truly, uh, I think if you go in there and listen to all of, just stream all of Ringo Starr's solo catalog, and you will find that it's greater than most of like the, you know, great classical composers like Bach, Beethoven. They kind of, you know, all that stuff really goes out the window. A lot of them ripped him off too. A lot of them kind of like pre, weirdly, (laughs) preemptively ripped him off because like Ringo really, you know, he brought the depth uh, you know, using modern recording techniques that guys, you know, uh, Bach, Vivaldi, uh, George Gershwin, all right, John Cage, uh, you know, uh, Bootsy Collins, you know, Quincy Jones, guys like that. Just, you know, look, a lot of there's a lot of talent in the world, but really Ringo Starr is, is he's the greatest. He's the greatest. He's the Thank only you. music. I literally only listen to Ringo Starr. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah. The uh, a quick a quick factual actual factual aside on Paul McCartney is he once got uh, uh, this was post Beatles he got busted going into Japan on a ten day tour nine pounds of weed personally took the rap for it which back then would damn son for anybody else would have been decades in prison but he knew and he was like and he went to jail. For a period of time, he was held in prison, but he was in Japan. In Japan, wow. and 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 he basically was like, either somebody on this plane is going to do hard time, or I'm going to take the rap and gamble that they're not going to put a beetle wow. in jail. Dude, yeah, that's insanity that he did that. That could be its own great moment in you know weed history. What? But I think we got to commit now that in episode two, we're going to go over that moment mm-hmm. in weed history because I want to hear the details of that because that's really fucking crazy. And also it's like, you know, I want to really weigh out how altruistic Paul McCartney was being and look at all the potential options mm-hmm. here, you know, all the potential ways that this story would have played out because that's very interesting because either Paul McCartney is a is a hero or he's uh you know a drug smuggler or, <laughs> Yo, you think he needed a little extra cash I, who hey, knows? This I, thing I, is all good. i'm saying is it raises a lot of questions and i think that that the, was for the, the next, band and everybody that was like their stash yeah. but I, I, I long story short i want to hear this short story okay. long all okay right? well that's what this is what great moments in weed history is right, apparently great. becoming all about so We'll pick up with this one. Great. Okay. And what's our next uh, segment? Okay. I kind of have to pee, so I want to press pause on the uh, thing real quick. Do you want to press pause? We'll just I'll come yeah. back to this. Or just part. leave it rolling for two seconds. It's just like we'll just okay. cut out this quiet part. We'll put a real commercial here. All right, he's gone. <laughs> I'm like doing a hostile takeover of the show. He believes, but not truly. All right. He's a fake ass motherfucker, and I gotta, I gotta be this true, true believer by seizing the show completely. Okay, so he thinks it's gonna just go pee in the middle of it. What I'm gonna do is grab all this weed, grab all the mics, run up to the top of the Hollywood Hills, and broadcast 24 hours a day by myself until I run out of weed. All right, hold on. I'm going to go do that. I got to get it all done before he comes back. 
I don't know if he's going to take like one of those long pisses or like one of those just sort of maintenance pisses. Hold on. So we're gonna and we're back. All right, let me. Uh, so we're we're, uh, we're kind of nice. bringing this second yeah. home. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the weed history one. Yeah, there's like a cut, little more to the story. Oh oh yeah, let's do it. Okay. So. All right. So picking up our our story uh, where we last left it. <coughs> okay. Sorry. All right, when we when we last checked in with the with the Fab Four plus plus, plus <coughs> sorry, <laughs> thought for a second. When we last checked in with the Fab Four plus Bobby D, uh, the situation was pretty delicate. Ringo is chief in this whole joint to himself. Nobody knows what to say or do. Everybody else kind of wants to, you know. Hit that shit. Yeah, and, and the Ringo's, Beatles don't know if they want to hit it. They don't even know the etiquette of what they're supposed to do. Dylan's trying to roll up another joint. Boom! Drop that one in the fucking uh, champagne bucket full of ice and water. Dylan it's, fail. Ugh, classic. Classic Dylan. Classic Dylan fail. fail. So uh, a, a delicate moment indeed, uh, which Mr. Aronowitz, our hero of this story, uh, the journalist, ably resolved this uh, delicate moment by asking Dylan's rolling adept road manager to quickly produce a few more joints until everybody had one of their own. Then, since Ringo had gotten a head start on getting high, he started to feel the effects first and unleashed a ripple of laughter that quickly reverberated throughout the room. Soon, Ringo got the giggles. In no time at all, he was laughing hysterically. His laughing looks so funny that the re- this is uh, 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 <clears throat> let me just take my sorry. So then this is Al Aronowitz talking again. He said, "Soon Ringo got the giggles. In no time at all, he was laughing hysterically. His laughing looks so funny that the rest of us started laughing hysterically." You ever had this experience, like when you were younger? Yeah, high with your uh, definitely. I mean, that's a definite like early getting high thing where you know you just like laughter begets laughter. And suddenly everybody's wiling. Yeah. So we kept laughing at one another's laughter until every one of us had been laughed at. There also came a certain point when Paul McCartney realized he was really thinking for the first time in his life. And he also realized that this was a great occasion. He told Beatles road manager Mal Evans to get a pad and a pen and to write down everything he said. So you ever had that kind of feeling of like, wow, I'm just kind of thinking about all this shit that. Yep, there's definitely. I mean, you know, I think that instinct goes away after you do it a few times and realize that, you know, it's like unless you're really in. I mean, I've made some awesome music when I'm stoned, but a lot of times like those early times when you get really lit. It's practically like writing shit down when you're tripping. Like, it's not going to really make that much sense later. Well, yes. You know, I think yes and no. I mean, uh, this is, you know, think about some of the music these guys went on to make and the direction that their their music went from this point. So, 
I think there's something to it. It doesn't just make you feel more creative. There is definitely science that shows, uh, like, essentially, your your brain is more adept at connecting inner, uh, otherwise not connected ideas when you're stoned. Yeah, that's like so uh, hyper priming. I feel like, you know, th- that's what differentiates like a psychedelic experience, you know, or substance in some senses from anything else. It's like almost this, you know, it, it really feels like when you use it that, you know, you you should, you know, like it feels like you're seeing a little more, you know what I mean, uh, than uh, like it really is an inspiring thing. And yeah, and it's about to send the Beatles on a long and twisty path towards psychedelia. The long yeah. and winding yeah. road. And harmonic Thanks for all those experiments. emails. All those emails asking for more singing uh, uh, sent from. They just flooded in. This show's not even live. Not bean at gmail.com. Yeah. This is not bean at gmail.com. I'm not actually bean writing an email under a fake name at gmail.com. Yeah. And if I thank g- you for reaching yeah, out. This is not a pre, I mean, this is a pre recorded show. It's not live. So literally just people overhearing us record. <laughs> have been emailing and asking for more bean singing so you're gonna get more of it and you know we might even bust out the karaoke microphone at some point i mean that's, maybe to bring it maybe to bring it home yeah let's yeah. bring it home for the beatles and the uh yeah and the so, mr bob yeah Dylan what's, here. So, what's okay. the epilogue so, here so right you know right now we've got we've got paul saying uh, you gotta write it down. I, I'm. I think you're a little better with the audio. Give, give me a minute. A, a, a take on Paul McCartney. Paul, so like, when Paul's, he's thinking oh, for the first time. He's oh, really Ringo, you got past the joint. You got there. You you schmuck. Wait, no, British people don't say schmuck. You you tit. <laughs> Bloody insult. All right. So unfortunately, your sausage. So what so, you doing, your sausage? He called him a sausage, actually. Which is a fucking like the worst thing a British person can say to another British person is call a guy sausage. You know what I'm saying? I did not know that. Yeah, you gotta be careful when you order that uh, full English breakfast. Yeah, they hate it. She's like, "Oh, you called you called me a a bloody sausage." It's like, no, I said I want blood sausage with a full English breakfast. Fucking, you know that. She's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. It's we're we're out of the blood sausage." And you're like, I didn't fucking come out to like a British pub at 10 a.m. on a Sunday to have, uh, to not have a full English breakfast. That's not a full English breakfast. It's like a fucking half. And she's like, oh, well, fuck, fuck you. And then she calls you a sausage. And it's on, you know, but you can't get ever go back to that place. Uh, but it's fine because there's there's other spots that have full English breakfast as well. Especially in Britain. Yeah. Especially in England. In the English part of Britain is mm-hmm. where you get them a lot. Um, okay, so <laughs> these are uh, this is what what we just heard is basically is an excerpt from Paul McCartney's uh, stoned journal that night. He was yeah, man. This is he he, he, wrote, he wrote about English breakfasts a lot. And for Mal you, it's Evans, entertainment. For him, it's his life. Okay, so uh, uh, Mal Evans, the road manager, writes all of this down. Unfortunately. More than 50 years later, that historic document either remains in private hands or has been lost to history forever. We were lucky to get that little excerpt. Um, mm. But we, but what we do know is that shortly after their fateful encounter with Bob Dylan, the Beatles would start to rapidly transform their music from the teeny bopper bubblegum pop sound that made them global sensations 
into the more experimental, expansive, psychedelic explorations that kickstarted the societal and political upheaval of the 60s and helped usher cannabis into the mainstream. All because Al Aronowitz, our, our hero of this great moment in weed history, made every effort imaginable to ensure that the Fab Four's first time getting high went smoothly. All right. Yo, and you know what? Props to you, uh, Ernst uh, Mishkowitz. Mm-hmm. Ernst Mishkowitz, famed journalist and uh, owner of the publication Beetle Time, the fanzine, which is available on our website, Ernst Mishkovitz.com. Dot net. Dot net slash. Ertzmiskovitz.com was not available. Oh, yeah. Dot <laughs> net slash the true believers, uh, where you can get all the Ernst Mishkovitz merch and our Use stuff. Use that code for 40% yeah. off Mishkovitz. Yeah, you can get the Beatles album recorded uh, only minutes after the encounter you just heard about, uh, and it's never been heard before. And that's actually another thing, you know, that is pretty crazy for our first episode. It's kind of nuts that we have unreleased Beatles music uh, available to you, you know, and that's like that's uh, that's a pretty rare thing. I know we're like a small podcast. We're just getting our our shit started where we're here in the cannabis world, just doing our thing. But, you know, um, the uh, Neverland Foundation uh, thought, you know, that this was a good place to premiere Never before heard Beatles music recorded right at the very moment where the Beatles first used cannabis. It was that night. It was that night. There was a jam session um, right after they wrote all the things that Paul said down. The last thing he said was, let's jam, motherfucker. Let's jam. And it was a medium, yeah, like medium length, not a super long jam, but not a short one, medium length jam. And I believe that there was a Martian musician there as well. So it was like Earth's top musician and there was one... Like singer-songwriter yes. type guy from Mars. I can't remember his name. Yeah, well, Earth and Mars being two towns in western Texas. Yeah. Yeah, where, uh, you know, that's, of course, where the birthplace of rock and roll. But either way, on our website, ErnstMishkovitz.net slash the true believers, uh, unreleased Beatles music available yeah. now. I think we might get a little, like, attention, a little heat on the show from that. I am hoping so. Yeah, okay. I'm hoping that this is, like, the, you know, out-the-gate kind of... Yeah. push that we need. I think it, it is. So I thought that was a fun story of uh, of the Beatles getting high for the first time. I think that Very that's cool. a true belief moment for a lot of people. Not everybody, but I think a lot of people that first time, it's so inherent to yourself. It is like, for me, it felt like coming to understand my own self for the first time. Mm. And, uh, and it was a profound experience and it was pretty... Uh, it was both life changing in the moment and it was the start of a journey that like like you said, mm. not just the plant, but so many of the people that I met in my life, so many of yeah. the cool, uh, interesting situations. And like if you're a younger listener who is, of course, uh, over 18, because no one under 18 would listen to this podcast and we don't want you to at all. Yeah. Uh, but if you're that younger person or if your parents say it's cool, like yeah. do you know, do your thing. Yeah, but like. I guess like the the weed scene is always going to be the place where proportionately you're going to find more interesting people, more creative people 
and kinder people and chiller people. Yeah. And if that jock scene doesn't seem, even if you're a jock, I played sports. Even if you're a jock, yeah, no you don't have on. to hang out with the Ooh. jocks. You don't have to hang out with people who are into getting drunk as they can every night. You don't have to hang out with people who are about materialism and being yeah. assholes. Yeah, we're post those categories, I think. And, you know, I, I really, one thing I believe is that, you know, I have a lot of faith in, you know, young people in America today. Because, you know, like every generation, I think the older generations say like, oh, they don't give a shit about anything and they fucking are punks. And look, you know, I think right now kids are more aware, uh, you know, than any generation of young people before them. And, you know, that's like a, uh, that's a huge burden. You know what I mean? And and I think, I was just reading a thing in The Economist, which I totally read because I'm a smart guy. Right? I was I was in the bathroom <laughs> I was in his bathroom yesterday, uh, and the and the Economist was closed, and then I was in there today, and it was it open was open to on a page, page. right? Because I read page, like three so, words on a page. So it's either a long con to believe, make people believe that he reads the Economist, or yeah. he's or he's reading that. Well, shit. Uh, full disclosure, it was a, a subscription that uh, you know I'd gotten for a, an ex girlfriend. And then finally, like, canceled this. It was called to cancel the subscriptions. It's been a little while. And uh, the guy was like, hey, why don't you be smart yourself? And, you know, just uh, <laughs> re redirect the, uh, you know, like, you get them mailed to you. That's and their, uh, that's their uh, advertising slogan, yeah. The Economist. You why don't you be smart, smart yourself? Yeah, why don't you be smart <laughs> yourself? And, like, and he uh, he totally <laughs> sold me on it. Don't be a money dummy. Yeah, now I, I get The Economist. And, you know, in it, I read this article about how young people now are, like, you know, suicide rates for young people are up, uh, you know, uh, anxiety and, you know, like uh, kids being diagnosed with all these sort of, uh, you know, uh, stress related disorders, uh, you know, that shit's happening because they're just hyper aware of all the stuff around them. So I think, you know, and, and this is an interesting point, actually, and, you know, but maybe it's something we can get to into. I don't know if we have time right now, but hey, it's our show. I mean, we can do whatever we want, I suppose. But the idea that, um, you know, we used to get information you know, like by like 80% of the shit that you know, you saw in front of your own two eyes. And then 20% of the shit was stuff people told you. And like half of that was the Bible. And, you know, the other half was like, whatever, you know, what depends stories. where you live. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Right. So, so whatever, depending on where you're at. But, you know, like now, you know, how much of the shit that you know, the information that you get, do you actually see with your own two eyes, or do you have evidence of? And that's a really crazy thing if you start thinking about it, because most of the shit that you assume to be true, you have no physical evidence of. And in a day and age where, you know, all of our news sources have been cast into doubt, you know, and they all seem kind of dubious, and you don't know whose agenda is what, or who wants you to know what, or think what, how can you really trust all of the information that you assume to be true that you have no evidence of. And this is when we transition into a full-on conspiracy, conspiracy theory show. This is it. We're transitioning. First I episode. I just want to quickly say, I think I'll sum up quickly. You know, you're saying, quote, nothing's real. 
I'm saying counterpoint, if you're driving while listening to this podcast right now, uh, continue to assume things are real until you safely park yeah. the vehicle. Assume that. Yeah. But so you're probably it, in a simulation. You're probably wrong. It's probably fine. Yeah. It's probably fine to just close your eyes and let go with your conscious feelings. Yeah, but don't do, just, don't do that. And that's where our recorder died. Thanks for joining us. And if you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. And please follow us That's at GMIWH Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and SoundCloud. that's the show folks thanks so much for listening and if you stuck around this long please consider supporting us on patreon you can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com and that would really help us as we research write edit and publish a new episode every weedness day great moments in weed history is written produced and performed by me david beanenstock aka bean Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.